Well, hi there. Welcome to today's show. I'm Natalie Norton, and I am so very excited to have you here. Today is the most beautiful day in Hawaii. Can I just say that for one second? (laughs) Seriously, the sun is shining. There is not a cloud in the sky. The ocean is perfect. The beach is beautiful. We haven't had any rain in the last few days. This is why I live in paradise, which, may I tell you, I get. It's a privilege. I get that you don't want to hear about it. But there is one thing about living here that is really challenging for me. I don't get island fever. I don't feel claustrophobic. Nothing like that. My issue is that it is so incredibly far away from everything. I feel so isolated sometimes. And it makes it really hard for me to be able to participate in all the things and connect with all the people and be at all the events. It can be really hard because I've got to be so selective, especially because I have kids and I want to be present and available for them. That is a huge priority in my life. So I have to be very careful about travel, very careful about any investment of time outside of those things that are absolutely essential and that are directly aligned with my values and my goals, both in my family and in my profession. And I know all of you moms out there who are balancing lots of different things, and you dads too, you get it, right? It's all a give and take. And we do our very best to weigh our values and the opportunities, weigh those things against one another and make the best decision, right? Given all the available information. Well, recently, I made the decision to go to the Alt Summit. I've talked about it on this podcast before, specifically in the episode with wonderful Miranda Anderson. I hope that you listened to that episode. Um, It was such a fantastic conversation. Alt Summit, you guys, was wonderful. It was such an awesome opportunity to connect with people, to have that touch point, right? Because I don't get to see people very often. A lot of these relationships in my life Um, particularly with others who are in the same field as me in um, influencing, specifically in social media. Some of these people are some of my dearest friends, and I have not seen them in years. So yes, living in Hawaii, wonderful. Living on an island so far away from all of the things and all of the people, challenging. But Alt Summit was fantastic, particularly because Alt Summit brought me and today's beautiful guest, together. I'm so excited for today's interview, for today's conversation. I'm so excited to introduce you to Sharin Eskandani from New York City. I met her at Alt Summit. We became immediate friends. And I am thrilled to have you listen to our conversation slash interview here today. Sharin is a life coach. She's a public speaker. She's a writer. All of her work circles around mindfulness and mindset work. Oh my gosh, no wonder we were fast friends, right? She speaks my language. Sharin has been a featured wellness expert on the Today Show, as well as Cosmopolitan Magazine. Wow, wow, wow. Oh my gosh. She's also the co-founder of Brown Girl Brunch, and she collaborates with all kinds of organizations and all kinds of companies, including The Assemblage and Soho House in New York City. And there's so much more about her story that I am so excited for you to hear in today's episode. Again, welcome to today's show. This is episode number 15, Wholehearted Living, with special guest, Sharin Eskandani. 
Welcome to the Show Up Podcast with me, your host, Natalie Norton. This podcast is all about having the courage to be a really good human and living the kind of life that genuinely fires you up every single day. Are you ready to become your best self and truly show up for your life, come what may? Me too. Let's do this thing. Hi, Sharon. I am so very happy and honored to have you here. Thank you for making the time for us. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. I am so thrilled and excited to be talking with you today. You know, the cool thing is that Sharon and I really are um, getting to know each other like in real time. We have a mutual friend and I don't even know, Sharon, do you know Damara Swell, the girl who introduced us or did you meet her just there at Alt? I met her at Alt and I'm just one of those people, I think like you, where I just kind of start talking with people and I end up like collecting friends wherever I go. So <laughs> yes, yes. Know, I, just, I just met her and I could just tell she had, she's such a beautiful soul. And I was like, yes, this is my people. Yes. And then exactly. she introduced me to you and I was like, uh-huh. Yeah, this makes sense. Yes. So I was just standing there. Um, I, we, it was at the Alt Summit Conference and Sharon, you presented, is that right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I wish that I had been there. I wish that I had been there. Um, but I don't know if it was right after or what, but I was standing in the hallway and all of a sudden my friend Damaris like comes running and like grabs me. <laughs> and, and I think maybe the same for you or like, hold on, wait, don't go anywhere. And yes. she, she connects us and introduces us and just says, you have got to know each other. And the second I started talking to Sharon, I was like, yes, we do need to know each other yes. because like you said, you are my people. And yes. um, it was just such a, such a funny and fun that's, that's a fun, that's a meet cute in a, in, yes. a, in a roundabout kind of way. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> An orchestrated meet cute. We'll call yeah. it that. Well, Sharon, um, I'm going to let you have a minute to tell us a little bit about yourself. And in saying that, I also want to acknowledge how much I hate it when podcasters say that to me. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, well, what part of like my life do you want to know about? And I, and I also think that in a lot of, um, in, in the conversation as things organically unfold, we get to learn so much about people's lives, right? And so sometimes when people are like, tell me about yourself, I'm like, are you kidding me? That's your job. Like, that's your job. <laughs> you tell everybody about me. And then you and I get to talk and answer questions. But just like give us some basic bare bones framework so people know what you do, um, what, what your, your purpose is, like anything that you feel excited to share, awesome. Yeah. So, um, I am a coach and a public speaker and, um, I kind of came to this work. It's my second career now, um, in a very roundabout way. So I am based in New York city. I'm originally though from Vancouver, Canada, and I moved to New York about 14 years ago to pursue my dream of becoming an opera singer and to one day sing at the Metropolitan Opera. And, you know, I, I moved to the city and singing was my first love. It was my passion. It was the thing that made me feel most like myself, most alive, most powerful. And I moved here and I kind of, I, I lost my passion. You know, I got here and I just started what I call mindlessly hustling. You know, I was constantly doing and proving oh and striving, gosh. you know. That's the pause right there, the mindless hustle. That is yes. so good, Corinne. Yeah, my, so good. I, I call myself the, the leader of the mindful hustle because I think there yeah. is a beauty to the hustle, right? To like really, you know, 
going out there and making our dreams a reality. And I love that about the hustle, but I think if we're not doing it mindfully, um, it can really work against us. And yes, I'm sorry. I, I'm like the worst because no. I get so excited, especially when it's somebody new and I'm like, not, I'm not anticipating what's coming next. Like I don't know <laughs> what's coming next. So I'm like experiencing this along with everyone. And I have to say like, one of the things that drew me into you, other than just being with you and realizing that there was so much about you that I could just sense was so on, um, we just resonated at a very similar level. Like Mm -hmm. I could just sense that immediately. But as I did a little bit of research and kind of figured out who this woman was, um, because I asked you to be on the show like the second I met Yes, I know. I was like, she doesn't even know who I am. (laughs) But I knew enough. Like you can feel, like I knew enough. Like you were my kind of, you were my kind of girl. But as I researched, one of the things that stood out to me so, so much um, was the way that you talked about wanting people to hustle, but to enjoy it. Because you're so right. So many of us, we enjoy the end in mind. Right. And we enjoy, enjoy the idea of where we're headed. But the actuality, the day in and day out is miserable. Yeah. But yeah. I love that that's a part of your message. I mean, I, it, like, I just think, you know, especially within the world that we're in right now with so many people kind of pursuing their passion and taking on more entrepreneurial endeavors, um, this is something that really needs to be kind of taught and talked about because your passion, the thing that you're pursuing that, you know, brings you joy and love or fulfillment can so easily become the thing that makes you the most burnt out and stressed out, yeah. right? Like the work that we do now, if we're not working mindfully, um, if we're not making time for rest and play and not really celebrating what we're doing, it can become, you know, a total stress because we put so much work into this, like, you know? Um, And so I think that for me just became so clear um, when I got to New York and I started working and my life from the outside looked incredible. And it was exactly what I had envisioned for myself, uh, but it didn't feel that way, right? It, I just was stressed out, burnt out. And I really, I just couldn't acknowledge myself and all the amazing things that I was doing. And so I just got completely burnt out on singing. Wow. Now, let me yeah, let me ask yeah. a question specific to that, because I remember reading something. I really, I don't take a deep dive on many people, like when I'm looking them up on social media, in part because I want any conversation I have to be organic and to not feel as though it's been like manufactured in any way. But with you, I couldn't stop because I was like, but what happened next? (laughs) Everything like, (laughs) or how did she get from here to there? Because there were just so many things about your story that were so fascinating to me. Um, Tell us about you signing that really big, exciting contract because that to me and the feelings, you know what I'm talking about, right? I'm not like being too cryptic. The feelings that you expressed as you're doing this thing that was what you had been shooting for for all this time it just was almost chilling to me to read and I know so many of us experience similar things yeah so this is it was my biggest wake-up call my biggest aha moment um so I had moved to New York the dream was to sing at the Metropolitan Opera I mean literally my childhood dream I imagined it was standing on stage at the Metropolitan Opera singing and in 2016 I'll never forget it I got a call from my agent and he said Sharin the Metropolitan Opera wants you to sing in Carmen next season and oh my gosh like, this was right like <laughs> yeah, yeah right like huge. like huge like what huge. Per- I mean seriously let's like put this in perspective for a second for those of us who don't understand the opera world like 
it's like getting drafted to the NFL, like the percentage yes. of people with that dream and the percentage yes. of people who actually have, and I would say even different than the NFL because the Metropolitan Opera is so tiny. The NFL, there's like all these teams, right? Like, right, right, right. <laughs> so sincerely, yes. we're talking about like less than 1% probably of people who have yes. that dream at some point in their life get to actually realize it. I mean, it was it was literally that like childhood dream come true, and I know that I'm one of the very fortunate people who has had her childhood dream. Like, like we yeah. all dream of becoming a vet or an astronaut. Yeah. I dreamed of becoming an opera singer, and it happened. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> and so you know, this moment, you know, I got this call, and I had that brief moment of happiness, and then the contract arrived, and I'll never forget that moment because I looked at that contract, and you know, it was a moment that as a young girl I thought would be filled with so much happiness and joy. It was a moment that as a young woman in my 20s, I thought would be filled with, you know, the sense of, you know, you are good enough. Like you did it. You're good enough. Everything like this is the proof, right? It. Like this is in, right. This, this is, is the, the proof. proof. Like you kept saying to yourself, like, if you ever get this job, you'll know that you're good enough. And I looked at that contract and I felt none of those feelings. You know, I looked at it and I thought to myself, I am not enough. And this is not enough. Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even to this day, when I say it, I, I get chills and I get lots of overwhelming feelings because, you know, in that moment, I realized that it's not the outside circumstances that are going to make us ever feel the way that we want to feel. Amen. That's an inside job. That's on us. Yes, that is an inside yeah. job. That is so good. It's an inside job. A thousand percent. Yeah. Um, so many of us, like yeah. a, a lot it, of, go on, go on, go on. No, no, I, I just exactly. I think you were going to say, which is like, so many of us are waiting for that one thing, you know, been waiting for years or weeks or whatever. And we think that once we get that thing, we're going to find our happiness, our worth, our bliss, our success. And, you know, it's like, we get it. And maybe we're happy for a couple hours, a few days, but then we're back into that cycle of like, okay, well, but that's not enough. There's, there, there's more, yeah. you know, and it's just this, this constant constant tumbling towards something, mm -hmm. you know? Well, and I think it's a, it's a tendency that we have as humans to feel as though somehow we're the exception, meaning, okay, yeah, if, okay. if anybody else got this great contract and was in this situation, then yes, that would mean that they really were amazing. But for me, they, they just don't know I gamed the system somehow, or I, how did I sneak in, right? I slipped past. Oh my gosh. Yes. Right? That is exactly what I thought. I was like, I, I, tr I first I kept rereading it. I was like, are they, is this true? Is this whatever? And then I was like, well, who did I trick? What happened? I'm, I'm going to show up there and they're going to be like, wait, we didn't mean to hire this girl. We meant to hire the other girl, yeah. you know? So exactly what you just said. Exactly a hundred percent. Well, now let me ask you though about that. So here you are in this situation and was that it? I mean, I, this is genuine. This isn't me like leading you anywhere because I, I truly don't know. Like from here, you made a transition at some point into doing the work that you do now. Um, but I wouldn't imagine, I can't imagine that it would have just been, well, this means I shouldn't be doing this. I'm gone. Like what happened next? I'm right. really curious about this. Well, in that, in that moment, I realized, you know, this is the exact thing you wanted, exactly packaged the way you wanted it. And it's not bringing you joy. It's not bringing you a uh, feeling of success. So what's going on on the inside? And I knew like singing for me was my first love. So I was like, first of all, you got to find the love and the passion and the yes. joy for this again, because no one is, no one's going to take this away from you. Not even yourself. Yeah. Right. Oh, I love um, that. And I second, love that. Don't even right? let yourself like, take it away from you. I love that. Yes. 
Yes. And, and, and I was like, I'm doing this job. Like this is my dream come true. So uh, when you get a opera contract, you usually have about a year and I had a year and a half to prepare, um, the, the role, the singing, um, to, you know, the first rehearsal. So in that year and a half, I was like, okay, I will of course learn the the role. Um, but I'm also going to fix what's happening on the inside or address it or acknowledge it or see what I can do. And yeah. So I was like this year and a half is, you know, singing, um, the arts is so much like, um, athletics, right. And it's like, you can have all of the technique and skill, but if you go out on that court, like I watch a lot of tennis, if you go out on that court, you can be Serena Williams. And if your mind's working against you, that technique just goes out the window. Yes. Right. It just, it just goes out the window. It doesn't matter how hard you work at that thing. If you're not mentally, you know, treating yourself well, or you don't know how to really mentally prepare yourself for those really high stress situations, then it's just not possible to perform the way that you've been wanting to perform. You've been practicing. Yes. Um, so I, I started, you know, really looking into kind of, um, mindfulness and mindset work. And I started working with a coach who at the time I didn't know what we were working on. And and now I look back, I'm like, oh yeah, that was like mindset work. It was all mindset work. And, um, she really shifted kind of how I perceived things. Right. So that idea that like, uh, there's a circumstance, you know, th- things are happening, but I get to, I get to control how I react to those things. I get to control the narrative around this circumstance. And that was like the most empowering thing, which was like, re- which is the scariest thing too, was to like really go inside and see what kind of thoughts I was thinking and when those thoughts would pop up and which thoughts resonated as truth to me and then which thoughts I wanted to reframe. Oh, I got it. I got to say something about that because that is something that that I just want to reach into every heart and reiterate and reiterate and reiterate. And and I'm just going to apologize for a second. I I actually made a joke to Sharin before we started recording this episode that everyone in Hawaii is always doing yard work. And so it's really hard to record my podcast. Well, right now, like probably 15 seconds ago, my neighbor started weed-whacking his (laughs) It's just, it's just uncanny. I tell you, it is such a funny thing. So I apologize if there's any kind of weird sound, but we're going to keep going because I, it doesn't matter what, what the things we're talking about are so transcendent of any kind of um, distraction and we can, we can exercise our mindfulness. Yes, yes, exactly. In this moment. It's, it's really an object lesson. We planned the whole thing. So you're welcome, you guys. We're just really committed to your, to your, uh, your, it, I'm looking for, I'm looking for the word like, um, oh, Self self realization. Yes, really yes, exactly. Self realization. That's what it is. Okay, so um, I love what you're saying there about tuning in and saying, "Does this resonate with me?" And not necessarily identifying with something just because it showed up in your mind. Because I think that that it one of the hardest things for people to untangle is the idea that be, something that comes from inside of them does not belong to them. Yes. So you can think any thought and then immediately you identify with it because you think, well, that came from me, so it must be mine. But when you engage that internal self and say, does this resonate as truth for me? Mm. It's kind of surprising, right? And you get really clear about those imposter thoughts that sneak their way in, don't you? 
Exactly. And I, it was just such a huge, you know, I just thought my thoughts were my thoughts and that they were truth and, you know, not really realizing that I actually get to choose what those are. Um, this morning I was actually listening to a podcast with, um, this wonderful meditation teacher called Shivani Hawkins. And she made this beautiful analogy. That's like, you know, it's like having a camera and a camera, you know, we're all, our cameras are all looking at the same beautiful, whatever picture, but you focus the lens on what you want to focus it on, right? And so like I was focusing my lens on everywhere I was, you know, failing or not doing well, or I could be doing better at while there was, uh, you know, 75% of the picture was like amazing things I was doing amazingly at, but I was just focusing on the 25%. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that analogy is brilliant. It's such a Um, great analogy. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, you can push it so much further in so many different directions. Um, I, you probably don't know this, but I used to be a photographer. I was a photographer for an entire decade and, um, it's not just about where you're focusing. It's also about the lens through which you're viewing Mm. things. Like if I'm looking through a wide angle lens, I'm going to see things differently than you are looking through a telephoto lens. And if I have a filter, over my lens. Uh, It's going to change the way that I'm seeing things. And there are so many different ways that you could push that. Um, I'm loving this analogy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that's just, it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. And so, you know, I got to doing that work and, you know, I always say today that my biggest success wasn't singing at the Met, but it was singing at the Met and enjoying every single moment, even when I messed up even when I was not having a great day. Like that was, that's the true, I think for me, I totally reframed what success was to me, right? And it was like, I was in awe and in gratitude that entire experience. And that to me was success. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. Because if if the success in our minds is um, about some kind of end that we meet, most likely there's a feeling associated with it. It's not just in our minds like, oh, I'm gonna own this big, amazing house. It's all the feelings that I'm going to feel living in this big, amazing house. Yes. And then suddenly you get the big, amazing house and you realize, oh, I have the physical thing, but I was so focused on the physical thing that I forgot about all the internal things that are going to contribute to the satisfaction of the physical thing. Exactly. Right. And so you went through this process of integration, of of taking everything and integrating all of it so that the experience was a a wholehearted experience, which is what your coaching company is called, which is perfect. (laughs) And um Gosh, it's just it's just so so cool. So I'm so happy to hear that you did sing. You did move forward and yes. you did sing with the Met. And I then did. what happened? How did you make the actual transition out of opera singing? I mean, that's huge. Like that's it's huge. <laughs> that's, it's a big it's a big pivot. We'll just It's a huge it it's way. a huge pivot. So, um while it was actually funny, so my life changed in that year and a half and I discovered, you know, like the second calling for me. And um, I actually enrolled in the coaching in a coaching program while I was also uh, in rehearsals for the Met. So it was all kind of happening concurrently. And today, um, I call myself like a semi-retired opera singer because I think when it comes <laughs> to, I think when it comes to our passions and our loves, um, they're always a part of us. Um, but but my focus now is mostly on the coaching and speaking, and and that's how I'm using my voice today. Right, I'm still using my voice, but it's just in a different way. It serves the same yes. purpose. It serves the same passion, but it just looks a little different. Yes, you know. Um, I'm actually going to tell you a little bit, even though my listeners probably already know this, because I think that 
this experience that I had is so aligned with what you've experienced as well. Um, so I was a photographer for many years, spoke at all different kinds of events about photography and peak performance. And slowly that started to morph into other kinds of speaking opportunities. But the majority of the work that I was doing was either photographing really high profile clients or um, teaching other photography studios how to do better, more soulful work that actually turned a profit, right? Well, um, just to make a long story short, at one of these speaking engagements, this guy came up to me afterwards and he just, he was so cool. And I need to look up his name because I know that he's a pastor in um, Tennessee and he's just like this fiery, wonderful human. And he came up and he said, you know, I want you to know, I believe that there's a difference between our gifts and our talents. Mm. And he said, you're a very talented photographer, Natalie. You're a very talented photographer, but I believe that your gifts are. And then he laid all these gifts out in front of me. And it was an interesting thing because suddenly I realized that this pivot that I was making into mm. doing more and more training and speaking wasn't really a pivot at all. Right. That the same gifts that showed up in my work as a photographer and helped me connect with my audience and or my audience, excuse me, helped me connect with my um, the people that I was taking portraits of, um, my subject. Those same gifts were what helped me in an audience really connect with these individuals in an audience and pull their their truth to the to the forefront of their heart and mind. Mm -hmm. And that really it was the same work. It's just that the delivery mechanism was different, right? I love that. I mean, it's something that um, I really work with with a lot of my clients on because I think right now this idea of purpose and passion is so at the forefront of, of like many conversations. And to me, it's like, the, the, it's exactly what you're saying. If you know what your gifts are, if you know what, what your why is, like my why, I figured it out. After, I kind of had to reverse engineer it, but my why is to connect with people and to transform them through joy. Yes, and when I figured I that, that out, I was like, oh, it doesn't matter the vehicle, which with I, how I do that, right? Exactly. Like I can do that. I, yeah. It was singing five years ago and today it's getting on stage or working with a client. I'm still yeah. using my gifts, but just in a yeah. different way. And so I, I think that reframe has Precisely. to happen when we pivot careers or we want to do something different with our lives. Yeah, exactly. Or even just in any transitional phase, because yeah. I mean, a lot of the people that I'm associating with, and, and part of it is just my age and my life experience. A lot of the people that I'm associating with in a day-to-day -day manner are people who are transitioning with families, like either they're starting families, they're starting right. to have children and that there's a whole shift in identity and in purpose surrounding that, or their kids are getting older and right. they've dedicated all these years and all this focus and all this attention to this one thing called building this family and raising these children. And then suddenly they're in this new, new phase where their children have so much more autonomy or where their children are leaving home mm. and they're sitting here going, now what? Right. Now what? Right. But I love what you're saying um, about recognizing that those gifts, they can be present and available no matter what we're doing. Yes. And so it doesn't maybe have to feel so much like the bottom has fallen out all the time. Yeah. Because there's going to be all kinds of transitions. That's one thing we can count on from life, whether it's a major move or whether it's a divorce or whether it's ending a toxic relationship or getting a crazy health diagnosis or like we just said, our kids growing up and moving out or maybe it's like Sharid and it's a major career change. Change is, it's an inherent part of yeah. our human existence. It is the great equalizer of our human experience, right? Yeah. We will all experience it. And maybe it doesn't have to be quite so dizzying 
if we can anchor ourselves on those inner pieces of what make us who we are. Yeah. I love that. And I think a big key in that too is just acknowledging what your gifts are. Like really, whether that means, you know, asking your closest community if you're not really sure and just sitting down and like really just writing it out. I know that's something that's very hard for a lot of the women that I work with. Just being like, name five things that are your talents or gifts. I can't tell you how many of my clients maybe do two or three and they're like, oh, I can't think of anything else. And I, I, I'm, I'm just sitting here like like my brain is going a thousand miles a minute because I'm like, we should do a poll. We have to do a poll because I bet you you're right. I bet that like if we were to ask our followers, I bet you that there is a huge gap between those who actually when the stakes are down and they have to really, really look, could not articulate those things yeah. or even identify them in a feeling space. Yes. Right? And that, that's heartbreaking to me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think it's that idea that you're not being humble or you're, you know, you're boasting or whatever that is, but that it's yeah. not, it's not the same thing at all. Yeah. And I think it's such a disservice to not really claim and name and acknowledge what your gift is. And we all yeah. have them. We all have many of them. Yeah. I totally agree. The interesting agree. thing about, about that, about, you know, you don't want to be boastful. Like there's so many things I could say about it, but I don't right. want to like hijack this entire conversation. <laughs> but one thing I will say when you, I want to speak to what you said about it being a disservice. We think that there's all this ego that surrounds um, us identifying our values and speaking those out loud, right? We, we, we feel as though that's a boastful thing. Right. But there's far more ego in my mind around pushing those things down and saying, oh, I'm not going to look there because I, you know, I don't want to be boastful because we're so concerned that others will view us as boastful. Oh, yes. That we are willing then to withhold the gift that was given to us, not for us, but in order for us to more sufficiently and fully bless those in our direct or indirect pr proximity, right? I and totally so, agree. Right? <laughs> so yes. if you really look at it, I'm like, hmm, which one of these scenarios is the ego truly more present? Because right. I don't think it's the first. I think it's the latter, right? Yes. When we're pushing these things down. I totally agree. A hundred percent. Yes. So how, like when you're working with your clients or even just in your own life, how did you get to a point or do you help others get to the point where they're able to make those identifications of those values and those, those gifts that are their own? Well, for me, um, one of the first things I work with um, with my clients is strengthening intuition and self-trust. Love that. You are yeah. speaking my language. Yes. <laughs> because that's the voice of truth, right? We have so many voices going on in our head. And, you know, some of them are, you know, logical and, and rational and some of them just aren't. But there is like this one voice of truth, your inner wisdom, your intuition, your highest self, whatever you end up calling it. That is your truth, right? That is the person who knows your gifts, who knows your talents, who is is speaking to you. Um, but usually that voice is not the loudest voice. Usually the voice of fear and ego is the loudest. And so, you know, for the first while with all of my clients in all of my group coaching programs, it's like, we have to build up that voice and we have to start trusting that voice and making decisions from that place. That is key. It is. It's everything. It's everything. Yeah. And it is so unfortunate to me um, that so many of us get, that that voice gets so um, 
dampened or it, it there's a lot of different fingers we could point in a lot of different directions as to why this happens yeah um but i think that a lot of it is just the process of life and i think that i went through a period of time where i felt so frustrated and angry that people had had lost touch and and what i would feel the most frustration with was that a lot of the mechanisms through which people were looking in order to deepen their connection with themselves or with the divine, those very those very spaces where they were searching for what they needed were becoming barriers to entry to what yes. they needed. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into it and and be mean about religion or be mean about because I, I'm a religious person and I'm a spiritual person and I also think that we can respect and honor the fact that sometimes the very door through or the very window through which we want to look to be able to see the direction we should go becomes a door through which we feel as though we have to pass. Yes. And we do that over and over and over again. And then of course we are in a space where we don't have a whole lot of self-trust. And of course we're second guessing ourselves because we have actually trained ourselves to need external input in order yeah. to know which direction to go. And I'm not, I don't want anyone to listen to that and think, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm awful, that's me. Because I think that's every one of us. I think that's a part of yes. living in a society and having social constructs and having, you know, I think that this is a very normal developmental part of being a human living in today's day and age. And we're getting a lot more clarity. And the more clarity we get and the more conversations of this nature that we have, the more able we become to recognize what's been happening and then to make positive changes. Yes, I so and agree with awesome. you. I so agree with you. And you know, this, when we, we talk about this like inner voice, I think, again, it's hard to follow it because oftentimes it tells us to do very uncomfortable things. <laughs> yes. Right? At things that we may not want to do, but that we know we need to do. And so, you know, I found myself like, and, and I know that I'm not really listening to my intuition when I'm making, you know, pro and con lists like all the time. <laughs> I, you know, I'm asking instead of like my three trusted people, I'm going, you know, all over the place asking everyone what they think. That's and you've asked know. Google. You've asked Google like 50 times yes. using like different terminology each time. Well, maybe exactly. I'll get a better answer if I change okay. these two words. <laughs> Right. And so I've kind of just learned when I'm like, okay, I'm really, really resisting this. What is the fear? What is going on? Because I think we also can't like, when we're in that place of resistance, for me, you know, a lot of my work is based in mindfulness, which is like, don't resist resistance, ask resistance questions. There's so yes. much wisdom in resistance and we have been trained to run away from it. And that's where all the wisdom is right there in the fear. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. It's like it's almost like a clarifying mechanism that yes. resistance that we feel. Yes. Um, I one of the things that I that I think about in my own life and that I work with my clients um, towards is learning to almost crave resistance, to almost mm -hmm. um, to have this curiosity surrounding resistance, where you're reframing your experience with resistance completely from the bottom to the top, because genuinely there now there's a difference between dissonance and resistance yeah. of course there are there's dissonant feeling and dissonant thinking and those are the kinds of situations that we need to learn to trust that it's time to take a couple steps back mm -hmm. even if everything
everything in front of us looks like this is the yellow brick road in the perfect direction for us to head. If we're feeling dissonance, that's different. If we're facing yeah. resistance, and just to like keep going with the yellow brick road analogy, because somehow here we are, yeah. the resistance would be, you know, these monkeys that come and they're yeah. they're trying to stop you and the wicked witch and there's all these things going on. That's different than a feeling of dissonance that makes you know this is not for me. But yeah. the resistance, we can start to we can start to increase our tolerance for resistance first of all but we can also start to really enjoy it because what happens is the more and more experience we have with having the courage to step forward and little by little start to sort through that resistance we start to develop trust it's like a relationship right it's it's like realizing oh wow every time I move forward in this way Eventually, it's hard. It doesn't feel good. It, it's, it's heavy. It can be difficult. But on the other end, every single time, there's growth. Yes. Every single time, I'm closer to where I want to be than I was before. Or fill in the blank with whatever positive reinforcement you need. But we can treat that like a relationship and reframe it from the very bottom to the top. Yes, exactly. It's building that trust with, with that. And I love that. I love the way you frame that. I love it. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's, it is a challenge, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it, it obviously doesn't mean that it's impossible. Right. Um, exactly. But here's the question. When we've got people who are so tired, because that's one of the hardest things that I think people face right now is just burnout and exhaustion mm-hmm. and adding one more thing. We're sitting here saying, run towards the resistance. It will set you free. And they're right. like, I can't even run to the mailbox. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like how, how do people do this in a way that's practical or what would be the first steps if they are in a space where they just feel like I have nothing left? Where do we begin I mean, for me, honestly, I think allowing ourselves that place to be, you know, in that place of sadness and hopelessness, like I think we need to allow ourselves to be in those places more and to fully properly process those emotions because we're so, when we get there, we think we're failing or we're doing the work wrong or that, you know, and that's just not what it is. It's like like seasons of life. Like there's moments of growth and there's moments like the winter time, right? Things need to decay, things need to die. And so it's just accepting that this is part of the process. It does not feel good. You don't have to be like, this is great. Um, That's, you know, this is what acceptance is. For me, I always, I, I, you know, when I first learned about mindfulness, and this idea of acceptance, I really, I really hated it for so long because I was like, oh, this just means you're, you know, you're giving up, it's resignation, it's complacency, but it's it's not. It's just accepting the situation as bad as it may be, but releasing the judgment yes, around it. Yeah. Um, that, and that's a turning and point think, for so many of us in the mindfulness process yes. and in, in the process of personal growth, really, in general, to stop associating the idea of acceptance with, like you said, resignation. Because I do think that that is a natural tendency um, to think, well, then we're just resigning ourselves. But that's not true. Accepting that the backpack is yellow is not resigning yeah. yourself to having an ugly backpack. It's just the reality. <laughs> this is a yellow backpack. Right. So sorry, but that is what it is. No matter no matter how many big, strong, heavy feelings we feel about it, all those yeah. big, strong, heavy feelings will in no way change it. And those big, strong, yeah. heavy feelings are depleting us and exhausting us and taking away from our ability to invest that energy in other more meaningful areas of our lives. And so that acceptance is not resignation. It's not complacency. Yeah. It's really a great way to safeguard our own energy so that we can then use it in more powerful ways. 
Uh, that that's exactly how I say it. It's, it's, it and you know, in mindfulness, um, when someone makes himself feel guilty for being in a situation, like oh, I'm, you know, I'm so depressed right now, and then you get angry or make yourself feel shamed or guilty for being depressed, you call that the second arrow. It's like the first arrow is the depression, right? That really hurts. And then like the second arrow is all that guilt that you're packing onto yourself. And so you can, it's okay. Like you're allowed to be depressed. That arrow hurts. You don't need to add any more wounds. You know what I'm saying? It's like the idea of adding pain and suffering, right? Like we can experience pain without having to suffer so much. Yes. Um, Yes. I love that. Yes. One of the things that I tell people all the time, and this is something I, you're, you're we're really, that's why I think that I resonated with you so much was that we both seem to have developed a common, um, a common path or be on a common path towards enlightenment and towards a greater sense of self and towards, um, the kind of work that we do, our missions seem very aligned to me. And what I hear you mm. saying is very similar to what I tell my clients and what I tell myself when someone's feeling stuck or when you're feeling stuck or when you're feeling completely downtrodden, what happens if you shift your perspective? And instead of thinking of yourself as a failure or as, or instead of seeing it as this big negative thing, what if instead you saw yourself as a treasured friend? What would you do Mm. for a treasured friend who was laid out by life? What kind of conversation would you have with that person? How would you nurture and love that person? And would you judge that person for having gone through all those really hard things and now being where they are? Absolutely not. And one of the hugest steps towards developing a greater sense of self-trust is to start treating yourself like someone who deserves your trust. And the people who deserve our trust are the people who treat us with compassion and empathy and who, yes, are going to encourage us and inspire us, but who aren't going to beat us up and who aren't going to shove shame in our face, right? And so often when we look at those relationships between us and ourselves, we realize, oh, no wonder I feel like garbage all the time. I'm super abusive to myself. Wow. Right? And then making some conscious decisions to do things differently. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. My gosh. Why aren't we neighbors? It would be so wonderful. (laughs) Right? I'm like, oh gosh, how how long is the flight from New York to Hawaii? 100 (laughs) years. That's how long it takes. (laughs) So one of the hardest things about living out here is like, I I love um, all, I mean, there's so many cool opportunities to be involved in lots of awesome things. And I'm always, I've always got this thing in the back of my mind that's like, and how many hours is the flight? Like I'm always having to like, calculate that in and because it's a full day of work on either end a full day with your family on either end plus any exhaustion you have because sometimes it's a red eye very often it's a red eye you know and it's it's okay (laughs) I will survive there's other things in the world that are much more important than than my horrible how, how sad for me to have to get inside of a plane and fly across an ocean and a continent. <laughs> my gosh, can you even imagine? My ancestors are like, we walked all the way across the country. Right, what are you talking right. about? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I want to hear more from you about this workshop or this retreat that you've got coming up because that just, I, I was reading a little bit about it and it just excited me so much. Yeah. So um, this Memorial Day weekend, I am leading a retreat in Colorado and it's called the Glow Up Retreat. It's with two of my good friends who are also fabulous coaches, uh, Chrissy King and Allison Tenney. And we 
we created pretty much what we're calling uh, a sleepaway camp with soul. Um, it's the sleepaway camp that you dreamed of as a young girl, but it's also filled with all of that wonderful, delicious self-growth and self-development that I think we, we're all craving right now. Um, so we're really, really excited about it. Um, it's going to be a really amazing weekend where you can really just reconnect with yourself and reconnect with others. Because I think one thing that I have learned doing this work is community is so important and you really have to surround yourself with a community that is where you are at kind of energetically. Amen. I just, I think that's so important and you really have to do the work to find that because a lot of the times those people are not going to be right next door to you. You really have to go out and seek it and find yes. it. That, that community um, aspect is so important. And I think that a lot of people, one of the things that I've noticed in recent years is just how lonely people are. Even people who are yes. surrounded constantly by connection, there's a lot of loneliness. Yes. And I think maybe it's because we're not always surrounded by like-minded connection and really yeah. vulnerable connection. And so anything yes. that's built around community, I'm always just so excited for people. And then especially when a community is going to be mediated and moderated by someone like yourself, I feel a lot of confidence in recommending that kind of opportunity to people. Where will this be physically located? Um, it's in Manitou Springs, Colorado at the Sun Mountain uh, Retreat Center. Oh my gosh. Any excuse to ever retreat. go to Colorado, I say jump on yeah. that. <laughs> I, I'm so excited. I've actually never been to Colorado oh, myself. You're gonna love um, it. I used to so live I'm there. So excited. And it's just so excited. Fantastic. It's where it's where my dad's family is all from. And so we used to go once a year oh. for family reunions. And it is just so lovely. And people there are just so good and down to earth. And it's just a really wonderful, wonderful environment for for the kind of work that you're doing. I'm excited for people. Um so where can people learn more about this? So um, online at theglowupretreat.com. And we also have an Instagram, which is theglowupretreat. And they can also find out about it on my Instagram, which is wholeheartedcoaching. And you can find the link in my profile. You guys, Sharon is so amazing. You need to go make sure that you follow her on Instagram at the very least. Um, if not, go to this wonderful retreat. Um, I, When I very first saw her, my first thought was, how in the world do I cut her hair off of her head and glue it to my own? <laughs> Because I feel like I just need that to be on my actual head. She, she's just beautiful, beautiful in every oh. way. But but you have some inc you have some incredible. Well, curls, I know my curl, my curls aspire to be yours. Like that's the thing. Like they, <laughs> like it's great. I love my curls. They're wonderful. And then I see curls like yours, and I'm like, oh girl, we got some work to do. <laughs> I really, that said, I really do genuinely believe what, these are the things we have nothing to do with, right? Our DNA just pushes curls out of our head, whatever, they're there, right. la-di-da. Right. However, the other thing about Sharon that is so amazing is just the soul that she pushes out into the world. Oh. And when you follow her on Instagram and connect with her in that in that space, you will, you'll immediately see what I'm talking about. She just, you feel good. And that's what I'm looking for so much in any, in any space that I'm willing to invest with online and particularly on social media. Um, I'm looking for the fruits in my own life, not just like mm -hmm. what they're telling me they're doing or all the amazing thing that, things that are going on. I'm looking at how I feel and what resonates for me. And do I feel as though this is pulling me in a direction that is blessing me and that is encouraging me and that is helping me become more of what I need to do or XYZ, what else is present? And I'm really trying to get really mindful about that. And um, I promise you that Sharon's Instagram is, is a place you want to be for certain. 
Thank you. Well, thank you so much. That means well, a lot to me. Thank well, you. You've done a good job. So thank you. Thank you for doing your part. That's like, that's what just constantly comes to my mind with all these um, wonderful influencers and coaches and authors and just the people that during this phase of my life, for whatever reason, we're all kind of um, being drawn towards one another. And I'm, it makes me so happy because I do believe that um, like attracts like. And, you know, mm, that quote, yeah. I use this quote all the time, the Jim Rohn quote, um, you're the, the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Um, Absolutely. I'm finding that the more I really take that to heart and work on protecting my inner space and work on developing that relationship of trust that you and I have talked about throughout this episode, um, the more people that are on that same wavelength just show up. Are you finding oh that to goodness. be true for I, yourself? I, yes. So a couple years ago, um, I kind of put it up in the universe and I, and I just said, I want to find women who are just vibrating on my level, vibrating higher, who are just going to uplift and inspire me. And I cannot tell you in the past year, couple years, I have just met some incredible, credible women. And, and of course, I think with anything that you, you know, desire and want, you have to take the inspired action as well. You know, I yes. literally will, if I see someone on Instagram, I like, I will send them a message. I don't even know them. And I'll just make a connection. If I see someone like at Alt Summit, I'm like, I want to get to know you. And I go up to them and talk because I just think it's so important to have that community and, and they also want to find you as well. So yes, I completely agree with it, you. Yes. It's 100%. so interesting. I want to talk about friendship a little bit more here for a second. Cause yeah, we use the word community, but also, you know, very simple way to look at it is just friendship. Um, I don't want you yeah. guys to hear the word community and think, well, I don't, I don't have a community. Like I'm not involved in, in the kind of work that would require a community. Well, it's just the people that you surround yourself with, right? Like in the most simple yeah. form, it's just the yeah. people that you surround yourself with. And one of the things that I hear so, so, so often from people, um, particularly when my, I have a really dear friend named Jill. And Jill and I um, became friends because uh, her daughter had passed away and my son had passed away. And it, I mean, the most horrible set of circumstances to draw us to each other. But um, we really were able to support each other through a lot of our grief. And um, then we've subsequently became dear, 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 best, best, best friends. Well, our relationship mm -hmm. is definitely unique in that it is incredibly vulnerable. Um, it We... There, there's just a lot of things that people see whenever we're together and it's through social media that they think, oh my gosh, I want that so badly in my life. And I almost, it almost makes me feel sad because I get so many messages from women and I don't even think about it as I'm just, we're sharing, here's Jill's in town. This is what we're doing. And the messages that I get from people who are just saying, I would give anything to have a friend like that. I, I just, I can't, mm. how did you even find that? And I think about it all the time. Like how can I guide and direct people into developing these kinds of relationships? Like truly what is the magic the magic key and what I believe and I'm curious to hear what kinds of advice you might give to people but what I believe is it will always come with developing that relationship with yourself first mm. and yes. for me the more and more healthy that I became in terms of my my self vision and and my relationship with myself and um, the things that I allowed in my spiritual space and my physical space and my mind, the more fierce I became about protecting that light within me and really really finding a sense of equilibrium and peace and joy there. The more these relationships just sort of materialized, and I hate to say that because it sounds so woo woo and it's like give me something to hold on yeah. to. 
but that's the truth too. What has it been like for you? It's the exact same thing. And and so for me, my husband and I just got married in January. Congratulations. Um, Thank you so much. Um, but you know, before we got married, we'd only been together a little over a year and we always say that we did so much work before we met each other and our energy, the light, everything about us is so equal. It is so equal and so wonderful. Um, and, and so we, we just say it it was the work that we did and, and that, that saying like attracts like, you know, I, I read somewhere, you know, if you haven't worked on something, um, within yourself, you can't expect that to show up in your partner. So for instance, let's say um, you haven't really worked on your self-love or communication or whatever that is. You can't expect a partner with amazing communication skills to just show up. And even if they do, if your communication skills aren't that great, they're not going to stick around. Yeah. You can't sustain that. So if you desire something in a friend or a partner um, in whatever it is, you really have to do that work in yourself. Now, it's not saying that you're going to be perfect. There is no such thing as perfect. But I do think that intention exactly. to work on the thing and to really put mindfulness into it, yeah. it the universe, um, whomever, you know, brings those people and those opportunities to us because our energy and our vibration is just is up there. I really, really love just saying the intention, like, because a lot of people beat themselves up. They're like, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. It's not a matter of the perfection. Like, you said it's a matter of just setting the intention of of putting yourself on the path you know if you're at home laying yeah. on the couch dreaming of meeting some wonderful man who likes to hike and who likes to read or whatever maybe get off the couch and go to the library or go on a hike <laughs> right like how yes, do we put ourselves yes. on the path where others of similar um thinking and energy will be present for us yeah and and I think another thing in that is 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 not settling, of really expecting that, that the best will come, that better will come. And I think that's something that we struggle with, especially when it comes to relationships, with friendships, with our partners, whatever that may be, with work. Um, we just kind of cling on to things that are okay. Yes. And I think, I, I just believe that if you, you can't make space for better or for more if you're clinging on to just okay. Exactly. Like you just can't. The analogy that I always you know? use is, you know, like you're so afraid of letting go because you're so afraid. Like it, I get it. I get it. There are so many reasons that transition and shift and and possibility are scary because they're unknown, right? It's the devil you know kind of situation, yeah. right? Yes. But the analogy that I use is if you're holding on so tightly to whatever is currently, look down at your fists they are completely mm. closed. How in the world do you expect to catch anything else that comes your way? Right? Uh, you have I to open that. those palms, right? And be able to have space to receive what is being given. And, you know, the yeah. other analogy that I always use is the idea of a door and and you're trying to pull it open with one hand, but you've got your foot holding it shut at the same time. You're simultaneously <laughs> trying to pull the door open while you're simultaneously trying to hold the door shut. And then you're wondering... Why in the world you don't have what it is that you're hoping for in your life, you know, it's, but just the awareness, just the self-awareness to say, you know, I want things to be different than they are. Even that, that first step is so much more powerful than anyone realizes. Um, yes. Yeah, there's just so much power in, in intention. Um, this actually, what, what we're talking about so much is about bringing new relationships into our life. But I want to talk for a minute about 
the people who are in relationships that they're unfulfilled by. The same is true here. Like, like people are looking at marriages that feel wonky and they, they want, you know, the spouse to be different than they are. They want things to be different than they are. But the only part of that marriage ever that you have any control over is yourself, right? Like that's it. Yes. You, you, yes. period. And so if you're looking yeah. for better communication and you're looking, or you're looking for deeper trust, start being the kind of person who communicates better and who has a greater sense yes. of trust. And yes. that high tide raises all ships, right? Like your spouse yes. will likely see the modeling and sense the, the shift and little by little make changes or not. And then you cross that bridge when you come to it. But it's all the same principles, would you say? Exactly. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. Well, I am so happy that you've been here. You are just so fantastic. And I feel like I'm going to have to figure out how to get out to, to New York just if for no other reason than I get to hang out with you. I'm going to, you know what? How about I come to Hawaii first? Done. And then, yes. Done. <laughs> Done. Book your flight. I'm yes. ready. I'm here. I've got both of my palms open waiting for you. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So, so, so excited. Well, Sharon, you're amazing. Um, we've talked a little bit about your workshop. Is there anywhere else that you want people to, or anywhere else people can find you online? Yeah. So um, again, Instagram, Wholehearted Coaching. My website is wholehearted-coaching.com. And I actually um, am opening registration for my group coaching program in April. We start in June and it's a six-month program. Um, it's both one-on-one -on -one and group coaching. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited for that. So if anyone is interested in my work, I would definitely say check that okay. out. Okay. Amazing. And we'll include all of this in the show notes as well. Sharon, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. This has been so amazing. Thank you. How about Sharon? You guys, isn't she just delightful? Let me tell you, in person, she is even more, somehow, somehow, I know it doesn't seem possible, but somehow she is even more radiant and she just emanates light and love and passion it is such an honor to know her and, of course, such a gift and such an honor to have had her here on the show at Podcast. Um, what a gift. What a gift. Thank you all so much for listening. I know that we've shared a lot of different ways for you to get in touch with Sharin online, um, places for you to find her. We will be sure to include all of those different links in the show notes for this episode at letsshowup.com. Thank you so much for listening. And as always... I love you. I believe in you. Keep doing your best. Your best is always enough. Make it a great day. You make me feel like I'm I Natalie Norton, and you have been listening to the Show Up Podcast. I know you, you Until next time, my beautiful friend, keep showing up, Girl, keep that heart friend. wide open. And as always, remember, your best is always I'll always enough. want